She's the beautiful cheerleader whose heartbreaking story is shocking the nation. Inside Edition, October 2009. Correspondent Les Trent is reporting from Ashburn, Virginia. 25-year-old Desiree Jennings showed me how she can't walk without twisting, jerky movements. But she walks backwards normally. Doctors say she has a rare one-in-a-million neurological disorder that was triggered 10 days after she got a seasonal flu shot. Desiree Jennings worked in marketing at AOL, and she was a cheerleader ambassador for the football team now known as the Washington Commanders. She wore the uniform and interacted with the fans and suites on game days, but she hadn't quite made the squad. A few months before this network report, She'd gotten her annual flu vaccine. Desiree got a flu shot on August 23rd. Ten days later, she came down with what doctors have diagnosed as dystonia, a rare neurological disorder. Her jerking and twisting are the result of uncontrollable muscle contractions. There is no known cure. In the Inside Edition tape, Desiree's walking down a sidewalk, stomping, then sort of squatting, nearly falling with every step. Her arms flail. It looks exhausting. Except when she runs. She runs with a normal stride. And as I ran with her, she even spoke normally. And now you can talk. Yeah, it's weird. It fixes as soon as I start running. I mean, you sound... sound I know, it's great. I'm (laughs) sorry. You sound amazing. It was all very strange and very visual. As Inside Edition and other shows quickly learned, she made great TV. This is ABC's 2020. Good evening. Imagine having your body suddenly taken over, controlled by symptoms so mysterious, so bizarre, that you become a laughingstock on the Internet and the target of suspicion. Doctors were instantly skeptical about Desiree's claims, and many said so publicly. Here's a clip from the O'Reilly Factor on Fox News on a night Juan Williams was filling in. The guest is Dr. Lee Vinoker, a TV medical analyst. And the head of their neurology department had called me because a couple of movement disorder experts had been looking at this video, and they all really feel that this is possibly psychogenic, meaning that it isn't caused from the flu, it isn't caused from the vaccine. In fact, he told me they're using it to illustrate for the neurology residents a psychogenic disorder. Wait, wait, wait. Movement when when you say psychogenic, are you saying she's crazy? That this is made well, up? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying people sometimes have these reactions to any kind of illness where they get psychosomatic symptoms that are real symptoms. Most doctors who went on TV to talk about Desiree Jennings were really careful to say how safe the vaccine was and how rare a situation like Desiree's would be. If you were talking to me, you'd say, Juan, get the flu shot. You need to get the flu shot. You need to protect yourself. But there was another group that really wanted people to believe the opposite. Desiree's story had attracted the attention of Generation Rescue, a nonprofit fronted by model and actress Jenny McCarthy. They were convinced that vaccines weren't safe and something in them caused autism. Generation Rescue thought that Desiree's case mirrored those of children with autism, and they too felt like they had been dismissed by mainstream medicine. They started raising funds for Desiree on their website. They put out a statement challenging the doctors who were questioning her story. The group's president, Stan Kurtz, offered to pay for a specific treatment they had in mind, if Desiree agreed to be in a documentary. Here's Kurtz on the local Fox station. And the story is just, anyone that sees it, it's just so compelling. Jenny was crying over it. Desiree accepted Generation Rescue's offer, 
and they sent her to Dr. Rashid Batar, a North Carolina osteopath known for his anti-vaccine views, his unproven therapies, and his exorbitant prices. My diagnosis of her is acute viral post-immunization encephalopathy and secondary mercury toxicity. Which he treated her with an IV vitamin cocktail, special detox drops rubbed on her arms, and sessions inside a hyperbaric chamber. A Generation Rescue camera crew was on hand to capture all of it. But Desiree's celebrity status in the anti-vaccine movement began to fall apart when reporters started asking harder questions. Four months after its original story, Inside Edition went back to Ashburn to take another look at Desiree. It is one of the most talked about stories we've ever had on Inside Edition. Well, we have an update today on Desiree Jennings, an update that raises just as many questions as before. A camera crew staked out her house and recorded Desiree looking fine, playing with her dogs outside. They followed her to a fabric store and ambushed her in the parking lot. It looks like you've made a complete recovery. Uh, well, I don't want to say complete recovery. I still have a lot of cognitive, cognitive issues. We need to point out one other thing. When we first saw Desiree in this shopping center parking lot, she seemed to be walking normally. But as she left to get into her car, she was walking sideways. She says it was because of the dystonia. All right, don't catch me driving because I don't think I'm supposed to be driving. <laughs> Soon after that report, the people who had rallied around Desiree and promoted her story seemed to just disappear. Without explanation, Generation Rescue refused to pay Dr. Batar's bills, and they removed Desiree's story from their website. We reached out to Dr. Batar, Generation Rescue, Stan Kurtz, and Jenny McCarthy. They didn't respond. This account comes from news reports and a lengthy decision in something called Vaccine Court. It's technically the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program created in 1986 when there were concerns that vaccine makers might leave the market because of bogus liability claims. Congress shielded them from liability lawsuits and set up vaccine court to hand out compensation to people who experience actual vaccine injuries, which are extremely rare. In the vaccine court report, Desiree said that Generation Rescue had, quote, commandeered my injury to turn it into a poster story for their cause against vaccines. Desiree's case concluded in 2019, after eight years. The vaccine court special master, basically the judge, dismissed her case. She found that the evidence, experts, and medical facts all showed that Desiree's condition was psychological. They decided she wasn't necessarily faking, but whatever was going on, it wasn't an adverse reaction to the flu vaccine. Desiree paid a price. She says she had a hard time finding doctors who would treat her. She changed her name to escape the media and online harassment. Dr. Batar escaped basically unscathed. He was reprimanded by the North Carolina Medical Board in 2010 and 2019 for unprofessional conduct treating other patients. But he's still permitted to practice and still serving up nonsense to make people doubt vaccines. During the pandemic, he amassed half a million followers on YouTube and took a keen interest in a new story about a young woman allegedly harmed by a vaccine, Tiffany Dover. And she says, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little lightheaded. And then she passes out and then a bunch of people rush in. And this is on live TV trying to show why everybody should get the vaccine. This is from a live stream to his followers after Tiffany got her shot. He didn't believe her explanation. Now, again, they're relying on the ignorance of the masses to say that it's a vasovagal response and it happens quite often. Let me tell you something about vasovagal responses. Vasovagal responses happen. Batar has never said he was wrong about Desiree. 
and he's not likely to offer any mea culpas over Tiffany. Because the anti-vax movement doesn't do apologies or admit defeat. It doesn't have to. If one argument starts to fall apart, there's always another angle just up ahead and another story to fold in. From NBC News, I'm Brandi Zadrozny, and this is Tiffany Dover is Dead. Today, Desiree is feeling much better than she did in 2009. We connected over email. She didn't want to be interviewed on tape. Desiree told me that she controls her symptoms with diet and lifestyle changes and daily medication. She still thinks the flu vaccine was part of why she felt so poorly, but she doesn't blame it entirely. She said she's not anti-vaccine and received the Moderna COVID shot in 2021. About what happened. Desiree told me that she was taken advantage of by the media, by the anti-vaccination movement, and Dr. Batar, who she called a money-hungry egomaniac. Dr. Batar has not responded to multiple requests for comment. When I asked her about her former allies in the anti-vaccination movement, she told me, quote, These people were never my allies. Each had their specific agenda. That's the playbook that this movement runs on. Seize on a novel story, write it as far as it'll go, discard, Repeat. Since 1933, studies have shown that the whooping cough or pertussis vaccine causes brain damage. The controversy isn't really over the fact that it happens, but how often it happens, and whether it happens often enough to deem the vaccine more dangerous than the disease itself. This is the opener to Vaccine Roulette, a 1982 documentary produced and aired by WRC-TV in Washington, D.C., and later featured on The Today Show. The film linked the pertussis, or whooping cough vaccine, to brain damage, which is a catch-all term. It did this through bad science and 11 minutes of visceral anecdotes of disabled children. When she was four months old, she, on the same day she had her, her vaccination, she had her first seizure. She was shaking and she was turning blue and she appeared to have breathing problems. The Yegoviches, who live in Kenosha, Wisconsin, said they knew it was the DPT shot that damaged Debra. She's a joy to be around because she's such a a sweet-natured girl. But we've been told that she probably will never walk on her own. And she probably will never talk. The American Academy of Pediatrics called the film, quote, a distortion and total lack of balance of scientific fact. But facts didn't stand a chance. Thousands of parents flooded the station's switchboards with their own unexplained tragedies. It kicked off a panic. Congress held hearings, hundreds of lawsuits were filed, seeking billions of dollars. Over the next several years, scientists tested and ultimately disproved claims that the pertussis vaccine caused widespread brain damage. But by then, the activists had taken up new theories, linking vaccines to all kinds of maladies. They did something else, too. They organized. One of the moms who called into the switchboard was a woman named Barbara Lowe Fisher. She went on to start a group called the National Vaccine Information Center, the first, and for a long time, the mightiest anti-vaccine advocacy group in modern America. Here's Fisher on Fox News in 1999. 
We have a doubling of the rate of learning disorders, a tripling of diabetes, a 273% increase in autism in the state of California alone. Um, we, arthritis is becoming so common that the Centers for Disease Control estimates that by in the next 20 years, one in five Americans will be suffering from arthritis. And I, what Congress is, gonna, is taking a look at is, is whether or not um, w there is a, a, an association between the use of many, many vaccines in early childhood and the development of chronic disease later in life. But you can't necessarily make that connection with, uh, with proof, can you? Well, I think that certainly there is suggestion that this could be true. Fisher was being interviewed because Congress had started looking into vaccine injuries again. After a bombshell article in the medical journal The Lancet, written by a physician named Dr. Andrew Wakefield, the article originated the claim that a standard childhood vaccine caused autism. Wakefield gave a press conference and an interview to British network ITN. Measles, mumps, and rubella given together may be too much for the immune system of some children to handle. Wakefield had fabricated research. His study was flawed. But that wouldn't come out till much later. And the immediate effect of the paper was huge. A whole new constituency parents of kids with autism was flooding into the anti-vaccine ranks. By the mid-2000s, the movement was at its zenith. It had even picked up a celebrity spokesperson, Jenny McCarthy. After her son was diagnosed with autism in 2005, she wrote best-selling books and became a regular on national television. Going on Oprah? I'm here with Jenny McCarthy, who has become one of the most vocal advocates for parents of children with autism. And Larry King Live. You know, you remove certain medications off shelves because they're deemed unsafe. Why not vaccines? And she headlined a rally in D.C. that same year with her then-partner, Jim Carrey. It was called Green the Vaccines. This is not an anti-vaccine group. We are an intelligent group of parents that acknowledge that vaccines have saved many lives. What we are saying is that the number of vaccines given and the ingredients like the freaking mercury, the ether, the aluminum, the antifreeze need to be removed immediately after we saw the devastating effects it took on our children. We should note here, as you heard McCarthy say, anti-vaxxers don't like the term anti-vaxxer. They say it's a smear and that their views are more nuanced. They prefer other labels, pro-informed consent, anti-mandate. But I don't buy the rebrand. When I use the term anti-vax, I'm talking about people who distrust vaccines and who work to make sure others do too. More than a decade after publishing, The Lancet retracted Wakefield's paper. Public pressure had been building for years. Other more rigorous studies had shown no link between the MMR vaccine and autism. And a series of stories by British journalist Brian Deere revealed that Wakefield had several undisclosed financial conflicts of interest and that he made up data and now tonight, the medical journal BMJ is calling his study more than just bad science. Its editors say it is, quote, an elaborate fraud that has done long-lasting damage to the public's health. Wakefield lost his license. Here he is on Anderson Cooper's show in 2011. You've been stripped of your clinical and academic credentials. You, you, you're no longer a doctor. Your medical license has been taken away, correct? Oh, oh, that is incorrect. I'm, I am still a doctor. You cannot take away my degree. They've taken away my license to practice in the UK. That is irrelevant. The Wakefield scandal seemed like it would be a death blow to the movement. The dabblers got the message that the autism link wasn't real and moved on. But the true believers didn't. The mainstream press stopped giving them airtime, so they focused on the internet, 
where they could quietly create new content and promote new stories without the pushback. That's how it was for a decade. And then COVID hit and anti-vaxxers saw their opening. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the true crime original. He would lie his way into their dreams. He was looking for James Bond girls. How fun would that be to be a Bond girl? Then twist them into a nightmare. This guy's done this before. He'll do it again. Until a group of women banded together to put him behind bars and keep him there. You have to participate fiercely, fiercely in what happens next. I'm Keith Morrison, and this is Murder in the Hollywood Hills, an all-new podcast from Dateline. All episodes of Murder in the Hollywood Hills are available now. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. It's fair to say that the arrival of a global pandemic was a dream scenario for the anti-vaccination movement. Suddenly, everyone was paying attention to vaccines. A lot of people who maybe hadn't thought twice about other vaccinations were starting to have questions. By December 2020, the month that Tiffany Dover got the shot and fainted, a quarter of the American public reported being vaccine-hesitant. And new leaders were emerging with answers of their own. Hi there. How are you? Good. I was trying to get in with my phone. and that was- In February, I interviewed Robin Openshaw. She's a wellness blogger and online supplement seller. She markets herself as Green Smoothie Girl. I'm the Green Smoothie Girl, and today I have the best free gift for you. I have made you 1,001 smoothie recipes. Openshaw has 223,000 followers on Facebook. And while she used to focus on wellness and a fairly out-there brand of alternative medicine, COVID has made her a committed anti-vaxxer and a Tiffany truther. You might remember her from her first episode— She's the activist who put a bounty out on Tiffany. Here's a lie that really, really bothers me. Tiffany Pontus Dover. Raise your hand if you know who she is. I will give anyone $100,000 and you can split it with her if you can bring her to me alive. That was Openshaw in November at a conference called A Day with the Experts. She and the other speakers took to the stage in a Florida church hall to give speeches downplaying COVID, and hawking unproven cures. They all stood in front of a huge green neon sign that read, Truth. Write her name down, find her. There's a $100,000 bounty to produce Tiffany Pontus Dover alive. Totally dead serious about this. Openshaw is pretty dug in on her version of events. What's more believable? That it's like a nurse in Tennessee who, like, the world went crazy on her and sh- instead of, like, like you or I are probably more performative and more comfortable in front of cameras, and maybe she wasn't and her family isn't, and so they retreated back to 
wherever, you know, their small town and got off the internet and didn't want to talk to a hundred citizen journalists who are all trying to blow up their phones or whatever. Wait, 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 wait. But what's more that or that there is some sort of like big conspiracy between the media, the, the drug company, the hospital and all of her family to hide that something happened to her. I feel like mine sounds more reasonable. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what sounds reasonable. It matters what the truth is. Early in the pandemic, Openshaw showed up at the homes of public health officials in Utah to protest against masks and vaccines. She eventually escaped to Florida, where she lives on the beach. When I spoke to her on a video call, I asked if she really meant it about the bounty for Tiffany Dover. It's not for dramatic flair. Okay, so you find her alive. Um, if she's alive, then she should go live and address those questions and claim $100,000. Openshaw was pretty open about the fact that to her, Tiffany's importance was less about her as a person and more as a totem. She's, she's just an example, okay? This whole thing isn't about Tiffany. That's one data point of hundreds that at some point you go, something is fishy here. So she's like representative of a larger. She's just yeah. one. I'm. I don't spend all day trying to chase people down in that little town of Tennessee. It's one of hundreds and hundreds of data points that a lot of us find the mainstream media narrative very unsatisfactory. Openshaw doesn't spend all day trying to chase down Tiffany Dover because that's not her cause. Her cause is spreading the idea that vaccines are dangerous. Like Desiree Jennings, Tiffany's story is just a means to an end. And these days, there are lots of stories out there. One of the biggest promoters is another newbie to the movement, a tech entrepreneur named Steve Kirsch. He invented the optical mouse, and he's used his personal fortune to build the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation and position himself as an expert on vaccines. In October, he called into the public comment period at an FDA advisory committee meeting. He had made a slideshow. Hi, I'm Steve Kirsch, Executive Director of the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund. I have no conflicts of interest. Slide two. Why are kids dropping like flies right after getting vaccinated? If they didn't die from the vaccine, then what killed these kids? Next slide. Kirsch's group has a tactic. They cut promotional videos telling wrenching stories of what they say are vaccine-related injuries. This one is about a 13-year-old girl named Maddie DeGarry, who lives in Cincinnati. President Biden, this is Maddie. She's 13 and wants to be a nurse. When the COVID vaccine became available, she volunteered for the Pfizer clinical trial. She wanted to help. This is her now. We see a young girl in a series of family photos and home videos, playing in the mud, dancing on her front lawn, having birthday cake with her family. Then a sharp cut. A close-up of the girl's face as she cries out in pain. She's wrapped up in bandages, a tube's in her nose. Another cut. Her limp body is hoisted into a wheelchair. Another cut. The girl in a hospital gown. It ends on a shot of her legs, shaking uncontrollably. We spoke to a PR rep for the Daguerre family and asked for records that might verify the cause of Maddie's injuries. The documents they provided showed a diagnosis that Maddie's parents disagreed with. Functional Neurological Disorder. FND is a complex and sort of mysterious disorder. Very basically, it's when a malfunction in the brain manifests some neurological condition or disability. 
The Daguerre's lawyer, Aaron Seary, who also represents the country's largest anti-vaccine organization, the Informed Consent Action Network, or ICANN, says that Maddie's doctors, in coordination with Pfizer investigators, misdiagnosed her and downplayed her injuries. The suggestion is that they know the vaccine harmed her, but don't want to admit it. There are others across the country like her, but they are ignored by the FDA and the media. You said it was safe. Maddie stepped up to help America. Who's going to step up to help Maddie? Paid for by the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. Here's what we do know. Vaccines aren't zero risk. Sometimes they have side effects. A fever, a headache, pain in the arm, fatigue. In some rare cases, the reaction can be severe. COVID vaccines have caused myocarditis, or heart swelling, especially in young men and boys. Most cases are mild and recovery has been quick, and your chances of getting myocarditis from COVID itself are much higher. About five in a million vaccinated people have experienced anaphylaxis, an extreme allergic reaction where your airway constricts. And the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has caused dangerous blood clotting, or thrombosis, in four cases per million doses. Again, the risk is magnitudes greater from COVID infection, but it's real. In September 2021, 37-year-old Jessica Berg-Wilson died from this rare blood clotting, thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome, or TTS, 12 days after getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Jessica's family said she didn't want to get vaccinated, but she relented so she could volunteer at her daughter's school. The obituary was understandably angry. The family wrote that the vaccine had cost Jessica her life. It cost her children the loving embrace of their caring mother. Jessica's uncle spoke at her funeral. He posted the eulogy online. Jessica died as a direct result of an experimental vaccine, a vaccine that she vehemently opposed taking. Jessica felt coerced. She felt robbed of her ability to choose, her ability to say no, to say no to a medical procedure she did not want, was taken from her. By the end of April, Americans had gotten some 575 million doses of the COVID vaccines. Jessica is one of nine deaths in the U.S. that the CDC has identified as caused by one of them. Specifically, in each of those cases, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Meanwhile, we're nearing one million confirmed U.S. deaths from COVID. Which is why doctors continue to say that the benefits of vaccination outweigh the potential risks. But obviously, injuries, real and not, are persuasive. And no one has been more persuasive or more effective than the movement's inside man, the guy with the golden name, Kennedy. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. I love you. You came out on this cold, cold day to do your duty for the United States of America. Let's go. In January, the new anti-vaccine coalition organized a march in Washington, D.C. They called it Defeat the Mandates, and it was meant to be a kind of coming out party that would bring together the country's different strands of vaccine resistance. Small problem. At the time, D.C. restaurants and hotels were required to check proof of vaccination. So a lot of the people had to stay across the river in Virginia. That's where we started our day, talking to marchers on a metro ride into the district. I'm Carrie. Uh, came from Orlando, Florida this morning. Blew up. What do you so do? Uh, flight attendant. Yeah. So still being mandated, still being forced. I'm Jessica. I'm, um, we work for the same airline. So um, I just had a baby. I have a three-year-old, and I'm facing unemployment because... My company wants to force me to get something injected into my body that I don't want. And I just want to be here to show my opposition and to take a stand with like-minded people and show everybody that we're not just going to roll over and take it. We got out at the Smithsonian Metro Station and made our way to the Washington Monument. For a cold day in January, it was a decent crowd. There was a lot happening. There's so many different characters here. It's like you have hippies, you have MAGA, you have like hardcore Trumpers and like homeschoolers and religious people. And it's just like... You could make out what had drawn the protesters by the things they carried. A lot of signs. You see the, the sign with Fauci, a portrait of Fauci. We have a circle of radical freedom. You and you alone. A lot of flags. Oh, there's an Infowars sign and a Dodson flag. I said, make some and noise if you love freedom. A lot of people brought their families. Hi, how are y'all doing? Good. My name is Brandi Zadrozny. I'm a reporter for NBC News. Can I ask your name and where you're from? Sure. I'm Katie. I'm from Arlington, Virginia. I'm Jennifer. I'm from Indiana. Okay. I was going to say, you're y'all related? Yeah. <laughs> we sure are. I talked to as many people as I could. I ran into a lot of first-timers. I am so glad I came. I feel so good. I've and never, ever goes, stepped out and done anything like this before. Um, it, it's just the stories brought tears to my I eyes. And we went to Most of the speakers were new here, too. I am here to save my kids. I have, I have two children. They're in college, and they're being forced to take the booster. That's Steve Kirsch. It's wrong. It's wrong. And the schools will not answer any of my question. I even offered them a million dollars just to go and have a discussion with them so they could answer my questions on camera. They all refused. There were so many speakers. French doctors, including Dr. Robert Malone, who pushed ineffective treatments. Right-wing media personalities and social media influencers. Groups of firefighters in full gear and nurses in scrubs with banners and bullhorns. Maddie DeGary was there, with a dozen other people who said they had been injured by vaccines. 
There were comedy and musical acts, too. Do you smell weed? Oh, yeah. All kinds of freedom. (laughs) But it was obvious who everyone at the march was really there to see. It is an absolute honor to welcome Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to the state. The minute they hand you that vaccine passport, every right that you have is transformed into a privilege contingent upon your obedience to arbitrary government dictates. It will make you a slave. And what do we do about this? What do we do? We resist. RFK Jr. grew up living the life of a Kennedy. All the privilege and all the tragedy. He was nine when his uncle, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated, and 14 when his father, Bobby Kennedy, was shot to death in Los Angeles. He went to prep school, went on to Harvard and UVA Law. He became a prosecutor and then an environmental lawyer. Here he is talking to Bill Maher in 2015. I got dragged into the vaccine issue, kind of kicking and screaming, because I was going around the country. A note here. Kennedy has a condition called spasmodic dysphonia, It's an involuntary tightening of the larynx. It can make his speech hard to understand. And almost everywhere I stopped um, or I spoke, there were women there, very eloquent, articulate, grounded people who were saying, look, you have to look at the biggest vector of mercury in American children now is coming from vaccines, and we need you to look at the science. Kennedy was convinced. He started writing and speaking about vaccines, wrongly claiming that mercury in a vaccine preservative was hurting children and the government was plotting to keep it a secret. He joined up with an obscure anti-vaccine group, the World Mercury Project, and became its chairman. The World Mercury Project changed its name to Children's Health Defense in 2017. The pandemic has been good for business. CHD brought in $6.8 million in donations in 2020, double the previous year. And Kennedy himself has found a footing as the anti-vaccine movement's rock star. And at this D.C. march, Kennedy got on stage and just uncorked, full truther mode. And not just about vaccines. He compared life in America unfavorably to life under the Third Reich. Even in Hitler, Germany, you could... You could cross the Alps into Switzerland. You can hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. He riffed about an impending surveillance state, helmed by Bill Gates. Within five years, we're going to see 415,000 low-orbit satellites. Bill Gates says his 65,000 satellites alone will be able to look at every square inch of the planet 24 hours a day. They're putting in 5G to harvest our data and control our behavior. Digital currency that will allow them to punish us from a distance and cut off our food supply. He later had to apologize for the Anne Frank remark after his wife, the actress Cheryl Hines, came under pressure from fans. But the people at the march, they ate it up. Because a guy with his credentials, the son of a civil rights icon, how could he be wrong about this new fight for freedom? I wanted to talk with Kennedy. But when I requested an interview, the director of media relations for Children's Health Defense told me, quote, 
Due to the demonstrated bias of your reporting, Mr. Kennedy will not be able to do an edited interview. We emailed a series of questions instead, and he responded. A warning, this is about to get very in the weeds, because that's where the anti-vaccine activists go when you challenge them. I asked Kennedy about Tiffany Dover. He'd written about Tiffany in February, about two months after she fainted. He said, quote, The Tiffany Dover incident offers a template for how media and medical authorities act in concert to gaslight the public to suppress reports of vaccine injuries. He called the national media credulous to report Tiffany's own words that her fall was not vaccine-related. To this day, he wrote, no one knows what really happened to Dover. I asked Kennedy if he stood by those comments, specifically the gaslighting thing, and if he'd seen the interview where Tiffany stood up and explained what happened. He didn't answer directly. Instead, he referred to a vaccine injury reporting system set up in 1988 called VAERS. He talked about VAERS at the march in D.C. This is what the press, like a bunch of stenographers and automatons, will repeat again and again is, well, the VAERS system doesn't work. Well, it's their system. It's the only system they got. We didn't make up the system. They made it up. In his email to me, he made the claim that doctors regularly choose not to report adverse events because of, quote, abundant incentives. And that as a result, 99% of vaccine-related injuries go unreported. We found that VAERS is missing more than 99%, not 99%. More than 99% of vaccine injuries. This 99% unreported line is another favorite talking point for anti-vaxxers. The suggestion is that severe vaccine injury and death is all around us, but it goes uncounted. This statistic comes from one unsourced sentence, written in a 2011 health insurance company's grant application. They study one HMO, which is the Harvard Pilgrim, which is up in New England. But there are real issues with theirs. Going to the database, which is public, you can see all kinds of post-vaccine reports that have nothing to do with the vaccines themselves. Car accidents, suicides, and even made-up reactions. In one famous example from 2004, a researcher entered a report saying that the flu vaccine had made his muscles grow in size, turned his skin green, and transformed him into the Incredible Hulk. No, you're not used to hearing about scientific studies, but... Science actually is determined by doing studies. As for Tiffany's case, Kennedy wrote me, quote, Despite the presence of several doctors and medical personnel who witnessed Tiffany Dover's collapse immediately after vaccination, apparently none of them made the obligatory report to VAERS. He called that a clear violation of the law that created the VAERS system, and he said it was, quote, a serious ethical lapse. Actually, According to the instructions that the Department of Health and Human Services provides, an adverse event from a COVID vaccine only needs to be entered into VAERS if it leads to severe injury, long-term hospitalization, disability, or death. I also asked Kennedy about a comment he made about Hank Aaron, the legendary baseball player. Quick backstory. Aaron got the COVID vaccine at a press event in early January 2021. He died a few weeks later, at age 86. The medical examiner in Fulton County, Georgia, where he lived, said he died of natural causes. Kennedy gave a statement on his website. He said, 
Aaron's tragic death is part of a wave of suspicious deaths among the elderly, closely following administration of COVID vaccines. Kennedy told me, quote, I never said that Hank Aaron died of a vaccine injury. He went on to attack the New York Times and NBC News for believing what the medical examiner was saying about Aaron, which included a reference to, quote, physical examination of his body. Kennedy said in his email to me that the Emmy's office had admitted to him that they hadn't actually examined Aaron's body. So we called them ourselves. This is the chief medical examiner, Dr. Karen Sullivan. We asked if it was accurate to say the death was unrelated to the COVID vaccine. That, that's my medical opinion. I mean, there's nothing to suggest there was any anaphylactic reaction. Um, you know, no swelling of the lips, no history of trouble breathing or wheezing, um, no complaints about feeling unwell. So an investigator had seen his body, had examined the scene. And we had wasted an afternoon, tumbling along through the mental gymnastics of an anti-vaxxer. And in the end, this whole question about examining the body, it's pointless anyway, because RFK believes that vaccines kill people without leaving physical evidence. I knew Hank Aaron, and I said... He explained this in March, in a radio interview on WRKOAM in Boston. It's part of a wave of deaths that have occurred immediately after COVID vaccination. I didn't say that it's from the vaccine because nobody can tell that. You, even if you did an autopsy, you cannot tell because most vaccine injuries have no fingerprint. Clearly, though, calling Aaron's death suspicious and linking it to the timing of his vaccination, it's meant to suggest that a vaccine killed him. I asked Kennedy if he stood by it. Again, he attacked the media, NBC News, and me. Your network and many others continue to maintain this public deception, he wrote. This is a good example of gaslighting that you requested. Now that you are aware of this deceit, your choice to correct the public record or to continue promoting vaccine misinformation will be an interesting measure of your own integrity. Based on your past performance, I have a pretty good idea of what you will do. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., We're going to regenerate this soil. We're going to plant the seeds for the future. We're going to show the world that we understand freedom. Three months after the rally in D.C., there was another Defeat the Mandates march in L.A. Um, the energy is amazing. Uh, number one for us is the Lord, and we can feel that energy here and the people that are all coming together, uh, nonpartisan. RFK didn't appear, though his organization, Children's Health Defense, was listed as a sponsor. Um, can I ask you about your shirt? Yeah, fire away. Trust the science, over 25,000 recorded deaths from COVID vaccine. I'll trust my immune system. In a lot of ways, the message was old-school anti-vax. So was the list of speakers. She's a mom that cares. Jenny McCall. I am so sorry I couldn't be there with all of you, but I am 100% with you in spirit. Jenny McCarthy, now host of The Masked Singer on Fox. You know, almost 20 years ago, I can't believe it's almost 20 years, I stepped forward to use my voice to try and create change. It wasn't easy. 
In fact, at times, it was fucking terrifying. But what was more terrifying was the idea of sitting in the shadows and doing nothing at all. And the pediatrician whose books had nearly convinced me not to vaccinate my own kids over a decade ago. And I know some of you here today have been fighting even longer than I have. Dr. Bob Sears. And for all of you who have just woken up, welcome to the fight. I was at the event to cover it for TV, in case there was news or something big happened. But not much did. Uh, Brandy, we're going to be following you throughout the next um, few hours as I'm on the air, so I'm going to be checking. The crowd was smaller, maybe a couple thousand people. By then, a lot of the mandates had been lifted anyway, in part because of falling case numbers, and in part because of a change in political will that this movement had helped drive. And I have to say, the, the turnout is smaller than we expected. And the marchers were focused on a vaccine mandate for school kids. Otherwise, it felt like their business was basically wrapping up. There are no mandates here anymore to go in public spaces for masks or vaccines. So as those are falling away... Um... So, with little left to cover for my day job, I turned back to my favorite preoccupation. Do you know who Tiffany Dover is? Okay. Yes, I do. Can you tell me who she is? It's the nurse that collapsed while she was uh, doing the briefing for the vaccine. Yeah. Do you have any like, um, knowledge of what happened to her after that? Probably no idea. There's a lot of rumors, but I have no idea. You know who Tiffany Dover is? I do not. Remember they Tiffany Dover? Oh, yeah. Girl. The nurse that fainted on TV. For her she fainted on TV and disappeared. Who's right. trying to have freedom I know of some footage supposedly has come out of her. It's crazy, right? Knows, really. The anti-vax crowd wasn't all in on Tiffany, like the truthers I'd been talking to. For them, Tiffany was old news. Now just another story that made up the fabric of their belief. She'd already been overtaken by newer stories, newer myths. But for me, for this project, hearing from Tiffany Dover, putting that story to rest, that was still the grail. That's next time on Tiffany Dover is Dead. From NBC News, this is Truthers, and this is the fourth of five episodes of Tiffany Dover is Dead. The series was written, reported, and hosted by me, Brandi Zadrozny. It's produced by Franny Kelly. Our associate producer is Eva Ruth Moravec. Sound design by Rick Kwan. Original music by Alicia Bonyano of Bully. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Reed Cherlin is our executive producer. Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. 